0: Anthony Obie currently serves as pastor of the Seniors Ministries, instructor of the weekly Lunch with the Lord Bible Study Series, and facilitates minister's training at Resurrection Baptist Church. One church, two locations, San Antonio and Shirts, Texas. A native of San Antonio, Texas, Bishop Obi is the son of Helen Obi and the late Dr. James Earl Obi, who served as pastor of the David Chapel Baptist Church in Austin. He attended San Antonio College and the University of Texas at Austin before graduating in 1973 from Hudson Tillotson University in Austin with a bachelor's degree in secondary education. He later attended Liberty Bible University before graduating in 1994 with a master's of theology from International Seminary's Bridgewater University. He also received an honorary doctorate in humane letters from Faith International University in Tacoma, Washington in 2008 upon delivering the commencement address to the graduating class. Bishop Obi acknowledged his call to the gospel ministry in April of 1968 at the age of 18 at Mount Calvary Baptist Church in San Antonio and began his pastoral ministry at the age of 21. He served as the senior pastor of two churches in Texas, Mount Rose Baptist Church in Bastrop, Texas, and Greater Good Hope Baptist Church in Beaumont, Texas, before assuming the senior pastor leadership of the New Life Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. Obi was consecrated to the Office of Overseer in the Lord's Church in 2009 and consecrated to the Office of Bishop in 2010 by the Joint College of African American Bishops and oversees the churches in Covenant Fellowship International. He and his wife, Donna, relocated to his birthplace of San Antonio, Texas upon his retirement and have been members of the Resurrection Baptist Church since August 2018. Good hope. Let's welcome Bishop Anthony Obie.
1: Well, the God that we serve is worthy of our praise. So let's give it to Him. Give Him all the praise you got. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, my friend and brother, Dr. DZ Cofield, and to uh, his lovely wife, Sister Cofield, to the deacons and staff and leadership of this church, and to all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, whether you're here or online. We thank God for the privilege of being with you here today to celebrate all of these events that you are celebrating today, beginning with Grandparents' Day. God bless you all, the grandparents. I'm so glad to have my wife Donna with me. We are grandparents. Raise your hand, babe. Yeah, she's she's a grandmother. She she didn't want to claim it for a long time. But, uh, you know, she liked to... uh, she likes to let people believe that I'm a whole lot older than she is and that I you know, robbed the cradle or something. We're only six months, she's six months younger than I am. But thank God she is here with me. She goes everywhere I go and I'm so thankful for that. I wanna thank God for Sister Deborah who has communicated with me. Throughout this process, and uh, she has just just been a jewel, made everything made everything happen and uh, you know i, I don 't know if she 's up for a raise, but i 'm voting <laughs> right. this feels like home i 'm so thankful to be here, as you know. I did uh, pastor the greater Good Hope Church in Beaumont, Texas, for seventeen years so. Amen. When I hear good hope, I'm at home. And the spirit in this place is such a warm and welcoming spirit. And then to have my long-time friend. Where's, where where did Chester go? That, man. Man. We go back to the 70s. We, we go back like Cadillac seats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good to see you man so good to see you and to share this and to share this worship moment uh, with you uh, oh I forgot to mention not only I'm also a great-grandparent Amen. yeah just had a, a beautiful great granddaughter her name is Willow Grace and uh, we're so thankful for her she is is the first in my family who is multicultural, so we're changing the 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 scope of our family lineage. Uh, she's a beautiful young lady, and we thank God for being a great grandparent. There was a there is a um, a show on television. I can't remember what network it is, Dr. Cofield, but it's called uh, Generation Gap. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's, it's a lovely uh, game show where grandparents and grandchildren compete with other grandparents and grandchildren for monetary prizes. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's a great, great show, and, and it's a reminder of how important it is for generations to be linked together not only in family relationship, but also in sharing information from each generation. It's amazing how grandchildren don't know who uh, James Brown is. And, and grandparents don't know who, uh, yet who, Chris? Drake. Uh, all of these new uh, uh artists that are out, so it's just a good thing to 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 bridge the gap of generations and share information and make sure that cultures uh mesh sometimes we say as grandparents i don't know what's going on with this generation? Well do you remember that our grand- grandparents said the same thing about us, and we didn't go as they say to hell in a handbasket so this generation is not going to do that either but they are different from what we are and we need to learn that and learn how to embrace it and celebrate it so God bless you for having this grandparents day and I know that I'm on a time restraint I'm looking for the clock I don't, I don't see the clock I want, I want to be out on time because I I want to come back one day. (laughs) Dr. Cofield did come out and share with us at the New Life Church in Lacey, Washington, and uh, that was my first time meeting him, but uh, I I can sense spirits even on the phone, and uh, even on that phone call, and the Lord said to me, this is somebody that you need to have to come and preach. That was Not uncommon, many of the pastors who came to do the module at Faith Seminary uh, would uh, come and share with us at New Life. We were kind of the place to be uh, back in that day. And uh, I I kind of second-guessed myself after we got started. He stood there in the pulpit, uh, tall and handsome, with those light eyes and that deep voice. You know, I, I thought I had the deepest voice in my church. And he came, he came in with it, it just, <laughs> had to raise the mic for him and all of that. And uh, I thought, well, I might have made a mistake here. <laughs> but, uh, but his heart was at good hope here. And uh, we thank God for just having this privilege. I got 24 minutes so I'm going to get into it. I've had a serious nasal surgery in July 12th. I'm still recovering from it. This is my first time to even try to preach. Uh, since then, it turned out to be a five-hour surgery uh, with uh, my brain was tapped. And we had the danger of brain leakage. And a specialist from the University of Texas Science Center was called in, it was a very frightening experience once I woke up and they told me about it, but God is still our healer, amen, Amen. and he's still healing me right now, so I don't know how I'm going to get through this, my nose is not acting right, but I'm here to do what God will allow me to do, Uh, and so if I can, let me just kind of make myself at home right quick. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Here's why 'cause he's my rock and he's my deliverer. He's my strength. Yes. In Him will I trust. Anybody know that? Praise the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus, there is something about that name. What is it? Savior, Master, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms May all Pass away But there's something About That name Lord in the next few minutes I pray for your grace I pray for your Spirit, touch my body and give it strength, touch my mind, give it clarity. Touch my heart, let it fill your presence. I thank you for this pastor and these people and this occasion, and I pray now that your word will go forth with power. Save the lost and edify the saved is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was a little undecided about what to share, but I think the Spirit had confirmed it as Brother Chester led us in that final song. And so I'm going to share with you on this thought today grace in three dimensions. Say that to somebody grace in three dimensions. I hate to bother you with so much scripture, but I want you to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 18, here's what you will find. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. Amen. And then I want you to turn to Second Peter chapter three and again verse eighteen. Second Peter chapter three verse eighteen says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And finally, Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Grace in three dimensions. Some of you who are as old as I am can remember uh, back in the 70s when. Movie technology reintroduced the technology of viewing movies in three dimensions. The technology was actually developed in 1922, but it it reemerged in the 70s. And the beauty of it was, and to the challenge to some, but When you went to the movie, bought your ticket, you were given a pair of glasses. And when you went in to watch the movie, you could only watch it by using these glasses. And these glasses gave you an illusion of reality it literally literally made whatever was happening on the screen appear that it was about to happen to you it it looked like the car was about to run right into your lap or the knife was about to come right into your face because it brought the reality uh, or the the illusion of what was on the movie So close to you that it felt like it would happen to you. And that's sort of what life is like. There are so many things that happen to us that we think are real, but they're only illusions. We treat them as real, but they're only illusions. And and, and to verify that, so many things that we fear and anticipate are things that never happen. Things that keep us awake all night, and things that won't let us sleep, won't let us eat, as have us going to the doctor to get pills uh, because of we're worried, we're concerned, we're stressing over things that we anticipate that never even Happen. But I think you'll agree with me that there is something that we have that God has given us that is not an illusion, and that is His Word. Because His Word is real in all that it says. And so we have these three characters here today that talk to us about one word, and that word is grace. The Apostle Paul said grace. Peter said grace. John said grace. But even though these three sages of old left us with the same word, we have to understand that each of them meant something different. Paul and you know, in biblical characters, we recognize them by their lineage, by what they did, and by when they died. And the Apostle Paul uh, was beheaded in Rome in seventy-six A.D. and Peter was believed to have died by crucifixion in uh, sixty-eight A.D. and Paul, uh, John, rather was believed to have died at one hundred A.D. in Rome. Paul was about to die and just before he died he left us with the word grace. Peter just before he left left us with the word grace. John was about to die and left us with the word grace. So I need to understand in the next 18 minutes what Did these three sages, these three giants who parade through the pages of our New Testament Bible, who are the primary figures of our New Testament Bible with the exception of Jesus Christ himself, what did they mean when they left us with this word grace? Well, first of all, And understand what Paul meant when he left us with this word. You have to understand uh, the passion that Paul had about his conversion. Paul wrote prolifically and extensively about his conversion experience. He says, if you remember, I was uh, the chief sinner. I was so bad, I was such a terror against the church that I had papers, authority to terrorize and to persecute any Christian that I found traveling on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus. And I took pride in my job. Nobody had to tell me to get up and go to work. I woke up every morning excited about my opportunity to gather up another band of those Christians, those Christ imitators that were on their way to Jerusalem. I I had excitement about going and finding them and killing them, and so my excitement carried me uh, with passion every day until one day when I was on the road, preparing to gather up another band of Christians, suddenly a light shined from heaven, and it knocked me from my beast, and I said, "Who art thou, Lord?" And God saved me by his grace." That day, and the the persecutor in me became the chief prophet and preacher of the church. And Paul says, I was saved by grace. I wrote about it. I said, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. This is a gift of God, not by works of righteousness, which you have done. If you want to ask me about grace, I have to tell you that grace is the primary thing in my life because grace changed me from what I was to what I am. Grace changed my destiny. Grace changed the trajectory of my life. And I need to thank God every moment I have because I'm saved by grace. Is anybody here saved by grace? Paul says you need to celebrate that because without the grace of God, you would not be in this room today. Without the grace of God, you would not have the life that you have today, and you ought to celebrate every day because someday, somewhere, God met you on your Damascus road when you were about to do what you do. I need to tell you, nobody in this room decided I'm getting saved today. The grace of God. The, the grace of God, I said, the grace of God met you when you were about to do what you do and snatched you from your path of destruction and set you on a new path and gave you a new life. Paul says, grace, say, is anybody glad about that? I mean, are you really excited about your salvation? That that, that God didn't leave me alone. He wouldn't let me go. He he wouldn't let me go on my dangerous, destructive path, but he snatched me. And that's what we need to admit to people. I didn't just decide one morning I was going to be good, but God snatched me. And he snatched people in the house. That God just took you out of what you were in and took what was in you out and made you a new creature. Yes, Saved by grace. So Paul says, Grace saves me. We got that? We agree? But then Peter meant something different when he mentioned grace. And I'm, I'm really rushing, but he meant something different. And Peter says, in order for you to understand what I meant when I used the word grace, you would have to understand the condition of the people to whom I wrote. I wrote, I wrote to people who were already saved, But had discovered that in the process of living a Christian life, there were disasters, there were persecutions, there were destructions, there were trials, there were tribulations, there was stuff you had to go through just because you were a Christian. And I wonder if anybody here has had the experience that once you got saved, stuff started happening yeah yeah stuff started happening once you got the devil got busy in your life once you got saved he wasn't bothering you when he had you but once you got saved the the devil got busy he brought enemies out of nowhere took friends made them turn against you started tampering with your health started affecting the harmony in your home anybody had trouble Since you've been saved, they were persecuted, they were tried, they were beaten, they were robbed, they were executed, they were crucified for the sake of Christ. But don't you remember Jesus said, if you're going to share with me in my glory, you've got to share with me in my suffering. So Peter wants us to know that not only does grace save, but grace also keeps you. That when you're going through the trials and the suffering of life, it is grace that holds you. Somebody here ought to testify that I almost lost my mind. I almost gave up. I almost turned loose. But grace kept me from going crazy. (laughs) Grace kept me strong when I was weak. Grace lifted me up when I was falling. Grace has held on to me to keep me from turning back. That's a song we sang just I almost let go. The devil thought he had me but I couldn't let go. I couldn't because he didn't let me go because grace held on to you. And so I remember, I remember a song we used to sing back in church that talked about these two aspects. And the first verse of that song, you sung it, Chester, said, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that did what? That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Thank you, Paul, for telling me grace saved me. But then Peter, they wrote another verse about your dimension, and it said, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I've already come, and it was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me on. Thank you, Peter, for your dimension on grace. So we found out that grace saves us, but it just, it doesn't save us and then leave us. Grace walks with us as we travel this Christian journey and it keeps us in the struggles of a Christian life through the dangerous toils and snares. But then John says, I have another dimension. I agree with Paul. Grace did save me too. I agree with Peter that that grace does hold me. But if you want my dimension of grace, you will have to understand what I wrote about because I was given the blessed privilege on the Isle of Patmos of having a vision of heaven. And I saw the throne of God, and I saw I saw the glory of the angels, I saw the the, the gates, I saw uh, uh, the, the presence and the, the spirit of God, but of the many things that I saw in my vision, I saw a host of people who were gathered. Into the kingdom of God. And I looked at the number. Of the people and it. It numbered a hundred and forty four thousand. And I was puzzled. It puzzled me when I read that also. Because John says. But that was not the limitation of the number. Because I looked and saw another number. That was too large to number. And these were they who had come through great trial. And who had washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. I'm glad John saw that vision. And saw that the 144,000 was not the complete number. Because if it had been, you and I would be in trouble. And the Jehovah Witnesses would be right. Because they have said that the number of heaven, heaven's population is 144,000. The doors are shut and nobody else can get in. But I'm so glad that John saw another number. A number that no man could number coming from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. And he said it was a number that had washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross at Calvary. When he hung and bled and died for your sins and mine. They had washed their robes in that blood. And you and I have hope today because we came to the cross and at the cross we found our salvation and we have washed ourselves in the blood of the lamb. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back at Calvary today it has never lost its power is anybody glad for the blood songwriter said it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley it's the blood that gives me strength from day to day and it has never lost its power. Do you know today that there's still power? Power wonder working. Power. Where is it? In the blood of the lamb. Thank God for the blood. And I'm glad today. To announce to you That because of the blood One of these days We're going home To be with the Lord One of these days We will join That heavenly choir That mother used to sing about One of these days We're going home to be with God because of the blood John says that not only does grace save me and not only does grace keep me but grace is coming back to take me home hallelujah yeah grace Coming back to take us home, and one, uh, one, one of these days, when it's all over, we'll go home to be with God by grace. So, I just came to tell you grace saved me, grace is keeping me but grace is coming back to take me home aren't you glad about it about God's grace then the songwriter had to add one more verse said when we have been there 10,000 years Right, shining as the sun We'll have no less days To sing God's praise Than when we first begun I'm going to be with God Will you be there? Are you going with him? Say yes and give God some praise for His grace
0: Grace
1: Grace God's grace is sufficient for me Grace, grace, grace in three dimensions. Thank you.